Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew. Um, For those who are inclined, please stand for the reading of the gospel from chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, family. Thank you all so much for having me and giving me this opportunity. I like to give a disclaimer uh, when I come up. Um, I'm a millennial. (laughs) I know we have a bad rep, but I I am a millennial, and um, I I have a millennial personality, but I have some Gen X ways, so (laughs) I just wanted to just put that out there, and so I will do my best to have uh, pulpit etiquette um, and the appropriate vernacular, and, but sometimes I might say straight up or real talk. Um, but I, I was told <laughs> that it was okay to be me. So <laughs> that's who I am. <laughs> so now that I have thoroughly introduced myself, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the one who we all came here for. We're going to open up in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you, God, that you are here. We know that you are here, it's not about a building, but because your people are here and you dwell in us. Less of me, God, more of you. As I decrease, may you increase. Please give me the words to say and give your people an ear to hear what you have to say this morning. And may we be careful to give you the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Picture it, it was the city of Bethlehem somewhere between the year of six and four BC. It was a peasant woman betrothed to a poor man and she was a virgin, but she was found to be pregnant. He had two options in his mind. He could publicly disgrace her and she could possibly be stoned for adultery or he could quietly divorce her. But the angel of the Lord came to him and said, hey, there's a third way. You could still marry her because what she has conceived is of the Holy Ghost. So that's what he did. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) He married her 
and they headed to Bethlehem for the census, but while they were there, she went into labor. And so apparently back then, hospitals weren't really a thing, so they went place to place looking for a room, um, and there, there was found to be no room in the inn. So they ended up in a cave where they gave birth to their son. I'm not familiar with caves, but I imagine that it was cold, maybe wet, a little dank, dark, but that's where they had their child. And not only um, did they have their child there, but they had visitors. They had some men come to them, bring some gifts, saying that they saw a star in the sky and that they realized that the Messiah was born. So they had a baby shower on site. Praise God for that. And so not only did they have the wise men come and bring gifts, but the shepherds also came. They said that the angels had come and told them about this glorious event, and they had to come and see and worship them, him for themselves. That peasant girl and that poor man's name was Mary and Joseph, and that baby was Jesus. <laughs> so as wild and as amazing and as action-packed as that story was, unlike Sophia's uh, tales of Sicily, this is actually a true story. So. <laughs> Now that I have set the scene for you, I wanted to go back a little bit and share how we got there. The Israelites, they were waiting on the promised Messiah. They had been told that there was a king coming. Now we being on the other side, we know how the story goes. We know that Jesus came, he lived, he did miracles, he saved people, he, he lived, he died, and he lived again. But they, they don't know that, they don't have these spoilers. And so they are waiting for the blessed uh, and promised king. And so can you, I want you to just imagine for a moment and put yourselves in their shoes, what it's like to have to wait on God to have to wait for this promise, um, to not know when it's gonna come, how long it's gonna come, what he's gonna look like, where is he gonna be? They, they had to wait, they had to imagine, is, it, is, is he the one? Is this the time? Am I gonna be the mama of the Messiah? <laughs> so they just, they had to wait in expectancy and excitement and in hope and so, being in a place where you have to wait and you don't know when it's coming. Have, have any of you had to wait on a promise or, or, or uh, wait for something exciting to happen or wait for that, that job or, or that gift or, or that healing? So can you, if you can, yes. So if you can imagine, put yourselves in their shoes on having to wait in expectancy. They have had prophecy after prophecy year after year, generations of people after generations of when is the Messiah gonna come? And we know what it is to wait, right? Sometimes we, we get a word and we're excited, we receive it with gladness, and then we're like, God, you're taking too long. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of where, where, where they were. They, they have received this word and, you know, and we can even look back at, at Abraham. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He said, yes, I receive it. 
And then Sarah was like, you know what? We taking too long, God. So we're going we to get this show on the road, and we're going to help you out. We gonna, here's Hagar, and we're going to find this blessed son and get this show on the road. God said, I'm going to send you a redeemer. And the people said, okay, God. Oh, you taking too long. We're going to start worshiping idols, and we're going to build up our own God, and we're going to ask for a king. You know how it goes. Have you ever had to wait on God, and you're like, oh, God, you taking too long. Is it just me? I'll be by my own. God, you're taking too long. <laughs> so we know how that story goes. But this last time, God sent Malachi. It was a little different this time. He had sent prophets to say with us, saith the Lord. But in Malachi um, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, God sent one last prophecy. He said one last thing to the people to conclude the chapter, uh, the Old Testament, excuse me. And I don't like to misquote the word of the Lord, so I'm going to read it. So he said, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord, that the day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come to strike the land with total destruction. So essentially, God said, I'm going to send Elijah before I send a Savior, and I'm going to turn the hearts of the children and the parents toward one another. He didn't say anything about a great takeover. He didn't say anything about the, the Israelites' comeback story. He didn't say anything about a wealthy place. He said, I'm going to turn the hearts of the children and the parents toward one another. And that's it. Nothing. Silence. Mic drop. That's it. Not only was there silence, but it was 400 years of silence. God didn't say nothing else. Now, it's one thing to wait on God when he's made you a promise. And it's a whole other thing to have to stand on the word that he gave your great-grandma and them 400 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> So this is, it's, it's, it's one thing to have to trust God when he tells you something, but it's another when he doesn't say anything and you still got to hold on to that word. So when you got to hold on to that promise. When your circumstance, when your situation doesn't look anything like what he said, and you still got to believe what God said and that he is who he said he is. You feel what I'm saying? That's the millennial in me, excuse me. <laughs> so I, I, I want to... That's, that's where we are in the story. We have Israelites who have, haven't heard from God in 400 years. And then one day, it happens. The long-awaited promise, the Messiah, he is here. Praise God. And not, he's here. And I, I, I can imagine they were expecting a king or a great rollout and something royal. It was a baby to a peasant girl and a carpenter, born in a cave. Probably not exactly what they were expecting. Have you ever had a promise from God and he gives it to you and it was like, God, I didn't know this is what you was talking about. <laughs> so, it's, and if it's just me, that's okay. I, I, I like to keep it, you know, tell the truth and I'll be by myself and that's all right. <laughs> But have you ever had a, a promise from God and you rejected it because it didn't look like what you thought it was or it wasn't what you thought it would be? Um, 
Have you ever had to go down a path and you just trust in God in the process, but then you're starting to doubt him because it's taking too long? Am I by myself? Okay, amen. Thank you. I, I appreciate y'all talking back to me. <laughs> so how many of you guys know that God always keeps his promises, though? He stays faithful, even when we're not faithful. Sometimes, even when we start losing sight of the promise, God is still who he says he is. And sometimes, I think that is part of the thing that we have to work on, is because we're so focused on the destination instead of trusting in the journey. There's a lesson in the journey. There's a reason for the journey. There's a purpose in the journey. And so maybe the question shouldn't be, are we there yet? But what are we doing while on the way? What are we learning? What is God trying to teach us? How are we reflecting on what he said and focusing on him? How are we trusting God in the process? I wanted to share a little testimony with you guys um, about me and my husband's journey, if that's okay. Before we got married, we had talked about having a lot of kids. Now, if you ask Landon, he's gonna say, no, we didn't. But I would not get up before the people of God and tell y'all no tales. We had this conversation before we got married. <laughs> so four months into our marriage, we got pregnant for the first time. Uh, with baby Nolan, and the, the pregnancy was going well. I was, I was carrying my weight well. I was cute, you know. I was getting lots of compliments, and all was well. And about uh, week 25, 26 into the pregnancy, I was at a routine appointment, and um, I was told that I was going to have to have emergency surgery because I was at risk for having a late miscarriage. And so um, we said, Okay, we do what we gotta do. We weren't worried, we prayed, we told a couple people. We had peace in our journey because we trusted and believed that God had put us at the right place at the right time and he had our backs. Um, so the rest of that, um, after the surgery, the rest of the, the, the pregnancy was a little bumpy, uh, but we had uh, Nolan at 34 weeks and we had joy now in our journey, praise God. And so, um, a little less than a year later, uh, we got pregnant again, um, about November 2016, and uh, we were excited and we were grateful, um, and a couple of weeks later, we had a miscarriage. And we were like, that's okay, God, we, you know, this is normal, this happens, it's, you know, it's more common than we think, we still trust God, it's, everything is all good. Um, and so, a few months later, we got pregnant again. And so I was so excited, and I was trying to find a cute way to tell my husband that we were expecting again, and then I miscarried again. And so this time, I was devastated. Um, aside from having to grieve the loss of two babies, now I felt blindsided by God. I was like, God, now we friends. Like, you my homie, I'm your homegirl. Like, I know you my father, but like, we cool. You talk to me. You talk to me all the time. Like, why didn't you give me a heads up? Like, if let, let me give another disclaimer. So, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Like, people know that I love Jesus. And another thing you may not know about me is I keep it 
100. That's, that's the millennial in me. I keep it honest, so I tell the, I can be quiet, but if I'm talking, I'm going to tell you the truth. So whether I'm telling that truth to my family, I'm telling that truth to my husband, whether I'm telling the truth at my job, whether I'm telling the truth to strangers in the streets, or whether I'm telling the truth to Jesus. And I was like, my truth is, Jesus, I'm mad at you. You done let me down. You hurt my feelings. Because not only, I mean, we're not even going to get to the fact that I, I didn't have to get pregnant, but like you could have why did you let me get excited and get hopeful just when you knew that this was going to happen? And so during this time, my husband had to go to God on my behalf because the only time I could even talk to God was to say, God, I'm mad at you and I don't want to talk to you right now, just straight up. Um, and so at some point, um, I, I was able to talk to God and say, God, look, if you want to do something for me, please don't let me get pregnant again unless it's going to work. Um, and so about four months after the last miscarriage, we got pregnant again. And so I was like, God, if you let this work and we have a successful pregnancy, I will never have alcohol again. Now that's another sermon for another day, <laughs> but that is a vow that I have kept with the Lord. <laughs> and so we, had, we ended up having a successful, uneventful, full-term pregnancy, and that's where our, our praise God for that, <laughs> um, our rainbow baby Nala came into being. And so we once again had hope in our journey. And so 18 months later, can you guess? We got pregnant again. <laughs> And so we're like, okay, God, thank you. And so um, the latter half of this pregnancy, um, the world shut, shut down due to COVID-19. And we were like, you know what? God has not brought us this far just to bring us this far. We don't know what COVID is. We don't know what it does. But we trust in God in these streets. So we're going to keep on. And so we were fine, and we just kept on moving. We had another full term, successful, uneventful pregnancy uh, delivery with masks and all, and all was well. Um, and so because the world was shut down, three months later, we got pregnant again. <laughs> and we like, God, you are faithful. Your word is true. You have opened up the windows of heaven and you have poured our blessing that we don't have room to receive. Just like in Bethlehem, there was no room in the end. In the Miller household, Lord, there is no more room. We are full. Thank you for Nola, Nolan, Nala, Nia, and Nevin, but we are full. No more Jesus. Thank you. And so, <laughs> and what is my point to all of this? My point is that even when we are disappointed, even in our journey when we don't know what it looks like, even when it's not what we're expecting, even when it's not what we look like, God is still with us. God is still faithful. He is still walking with us. His word is true. He does not fail. Even when we think he has failed, even when we are disappointed, he is still true to his word. He is still who he says he is. That is the point. And so I, I want to share with you guys, don't quit trusting God. Don't quit in the journey because he's faithful. How do you show trust when you can't see the promise? One step at a time. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. 
So I want to encourage you guys in this season and in the seasons to come that God is still Emmanuel. God is still with us. And no matter where, where you are in your journey, whether you, are, have, you have peace in your journey, whether you are experiencing joy in your journey, whether you are having to trust God in your journey, whether you are having to hold on to hope in your journey, God is still with you, and you can trust in that. Amen. Amen.